We continue our journey through Mark's gospel. We're in the 10th chapter, beginning at verse 17. Hear now God's word for us this day. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing, go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals, it is impossible but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This is the word of the Lord. And let us pray. How grateful we are, holy God, for your word of truth and love and invitation as you speak it to us anew this day. And we pray that in these moments of stillness together, you'll continue to speak to us, speak to us deep within our hearts in the very way that we each need to hear. And we pray this with expectation and with gratitude in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I had the pleasure of meeting with the ninth graders of our confirmation class just a couple of Sundays ago. It's always fun and invigorating to do that. The theme was discipleship. And one of the questions a, a student asked was incredibly similar to the one raised by the wealthy man, the one with many possessions in this morning's scripture. 
What must people do to get into heaven? The student asked. A probing and foundational question. Or as the wealthy man in our scripture asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What does it require of me? What is my part in this? How can I be certain that I have fulfilled what is needed? This past week, I spoke with a friend who recently lost a beloved member of their family. The person had died, and though raised in the Christian faith, the person made clear during their adult life that they did not believe in God. They had no interest in God as they perceived it, no need for God. And this friend was concerned for the state of their loved one's soul. Would this loved one be welcomed by a loving God into heaven or due to their lack of faith, would they not be welcomed? On Ash Wednesday, at the end of our evening worship service, I spoke those words from Genesis as worshipers came forward and I placed ashes in a sign of the cross on each person's forehead. As they stood before me, it was a sacred moment as I marked that cross on each person's forehead and said, from dust you have come and from dust you shall return. A physical reminder of our mortality, the fleetingness of our earthly life, and of our reliance upon God's grace for salvation. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Have you ever asked that question? If you have, I wonder, what was the answer? that you came up with? It's the question that kicks off and becomes the focus of this morning's scripture. Now, a traditional interpretation of this passage focuses on the dangers of wealth. If you want to go to heaven, sell everything that you have and give the money to the poor. Echoing another gospel passage where Jesus says that the love of money is the root of all evil, not money, but the love of money. That money can be a stumbling block, a barrier between us and our devotion to God. And so we are called to share it or give it away as generously as possible. And I'm, of course, on board with that interpretation. I've preached quite a few sermons on that theme. Today, on this first Sunday of Lent, I invite us to zoom out and to look at this passage more broadly. In the case of the man with many possessions, it was money and his deep love for money that kept him far from God. But there are other things, other commitments, other practices that keep us distant and disconnected from God that we would do well to sell to discard, to let go of. If we truly hunger for a life of devotion to God and intimacy with Christ. 
The man runs up to Jesus. He gets down on his knees. He asks that question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's how the whole encounter starts. I'm impressed by his directness. Yet there is an assumption behind the question which is not an accurate one. The assumption that receiving eternal life is primarily dependent upon what I do instead of on what God has already done in his great love for me. It is a dangerous and incorrect way in which to frame the question. Jesus says, you know the commandments. He recaps them. The young man says, I have followed them all since my youth. Let's just pause for a moment. He's followed them all since his youth? All of them? Really? All the commandments? That's a sermon for another day. (laughs) The story goes on to say, Jesus looking at him, Jesus loving him, says you need to sell all that you own and give the money to the poor. And out of love, he sees that the young man needs to take this step. sees that his possessions are possessing him. They're holding him back from experiencing true communion with God, true love for neighbor, true discipleship. The man loves his wealth, yet Jesus still loves the man. There are four imperatives, four calls to action that Jesus speaks. Get up, a command usually given to those who've just been healed. Perhaps Jesus is attempting to heal this man by curing him of his love for wealth. Sell what you have. The man's invited to leave behind this enormous portion of his life, just as Peter, Andrew, James, and John leave behind their nets that they make their livelihood with. Give it to the poor, and you shall be rich in heaven. It echoes the teaching that in order to save your life, be ready to lose it. In order to be first, you must be last. In order to be the greatest, you must become a servant. And come follow me. It's the call of discipleship. Eternal life is an unearned gift from God, an expression of God's great generosity. Yet Jesus asks for and expects action. He expects a response. And the young man is shocked. He goes away grieving, for as the passage tells us, he has many possessions. And these are no small steps that Jesus is asking him to take. To let go of what gave his life meaning, to no longer be the one in control, to loosen his tight grip on everyone and everything was more than he was willing to do. You might recall that back in the medieval days, a certain order of monks had the habit of sleeping in their coffins every night. Sounds like a pretty morbid practice. If you had a friend who did that, you'd probably urge them to find a good support group. (laughs) But for them during that time in history, it was a discipline of their faith. It was a spiritual practice. 
to daily keep themselves aware of their strength, the limits of their strength, and the limitlessness of God's mercy. They had the wisdom to pray, Lord, my strength is limited. My days are numbered. This earthly life of mine is so precious to me, but one day it will end. May it have been about what matters. May it have been about what will last. May it have been about trusting in you. For modern day people like us who prefer to sleep not in coffins, but in warm and comfortable beds, the question is as important as any question could possibly be. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I'm confident that's a question that you have asked or that you one day will ask. And the unexpected answer God reveals to us is nothing. There's nothing you can do. If it was something you had to earn, you'd never be able to live a life so pure, so obedient that you'd earn it, for we all fall short. No one is able to follow God's law so perfectly that they earn their inheritance, earn their salvation, earn their way into heaven. It is a gift, a gift from God. If it was dependent upon us, it would not be possible, but it's dependent upon God, the one in whom all things are possible. That is the good news in this passage. The good news that we are not expected to earn our inheritance, to earn the gift of eternal life. For mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. We are given the gift of inheritance by our birthright as God's sons and daughters. As that passage continues, Peter reveals that he thinks he has earned it. He misreads or mishears Jesus' words just as we often do. He made sure Jesus knew that he had given up everything for him. Lord, I, I gave up my home, my family, my livelihood. Lord, I have earned your love. And Jesus praises him for his efforts. But Peter's weakness was not his money. That's not what his stumbling block was. His weakness was his own pride and his pull to be great. In the story of the man with many possessions, it was his money, his deep love for his money that kept him far from God. And there are other things, other commitments, other practices that keep us distant and disconnected from God that we would do well to sell, to discard, to let go of if we truly hunger for a life of devotion to God and intimacy with Christ. What is it for you? What is it you need to sell or let go of or give away? And might this be the week to take that action? That you might grow in your devotion to your love for Almighty God 
that your life might be a grateful response to the gift of God's great love. And at the same time, remember that eternal life isn't something we earn. It is a gift from God, the one whose love for us is unconditional, unending, who loves us not because we have earned that love, but because God chooses to love us. If you have an eight-week-old child or grandchild, do you love them because they have earned your love through their behavior, their good works, the consistency of their prayer life, or with all of your being? Do you just simply love them? Such is the very way that God loves us. Thanks be to God. Amen.